0: Three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to a new episode, boys and girls. Another Thursday, another higher requested guest. You guys, the out here, probably know who it is. Um, but if you're a casual follower, uh, chances are pretty high that you are familiar with his work. So, welcome to the podcast, Yellow.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: It's wonderful to have you, mate. It's it's been a lot of people asking when you're attending this.
1: Yeah, we've been uh, wanting to speak for a while. uh, But yeah, I'm very happy to be here and finally uh,
0: do this with you. Yeah, it's great to finally sit down and do this. Um, But usually, uh, before we kick on with all the questions, uh, could you just introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So I'm Jelle Milenaar. I'm uh, currently founding my own company called uh, Impairs Technology. Uh, technologies, but uh, yeah, most people are probably uh, familiar with my previous job, which was at the IOTA Foundation as the lead identity, which meant that I oversaw the development of the self-sovereign identity uh, framework, IOTA Identity. Um, yeah, before that, I uh, yeah I studied uh, game development for a couple of years, um, and got my bachelor deg- degree in medical biology, uh, with a specialization on uh, neuroscience and artificial intelligence. Uh, and then I got into uh, blockchain and crypto in general.
0: That's pretty cool, though. But like, how, how did you actually go from there and into crypto?
1: Yeah, so I, I learned about uh, Bitcoin, obviously, um, first in like kind of the, the 2014 spike uh, with uh, Mt. Gox and everything, but I didn't do much with that. Um, and in 2016, I saw the price, uh, be low, and it was high before. I was like, oh, this is, this is an interesting thing. Um, but before I invest into anything, because that was initially the point, right? Um, yeah, I wanted to do, to do a lot of research on it, to really understand the technology behind it. And I just found it fascinating to un- start to understand how does Bitcoin work? Um, so yeah, I got really into that and I started talking with a lot of people about it, uh, some classmates, uh, that I was working, uh, with as well. And, uh, yeah, I started to think like, Hey, it could be interesting to actually do something with this. Um, and then, uh, yeah, one of my classmates just came to me, and said like, Hey, I saw this job application for part-time, uh, blockchain consultant. Isn't that something for you? It's like, oh, you know, that could be a fun thing to do next to my studies. So I applied for that and uh, yeah, apparently I already had enough uh, knowledge about blockchain in general in order to actually get the job. So yeah, that got me into really, uh, yeah, consulting and uh, yeah, really having a paid job in blockchain. And that allowed me to really learn more, explore the technology better and understand how you can also utilize it for uh, different business cases. So yeah, that's that's how I got into uh Uh, into it for real
0: and where was that you started working sorry where did you get the job
1: oh yeah i uh, i got the first job at vx company so that's an it consultant in the netherlands uh and uh yeah they're they're pretty like old company i believe 25 years old Uh, and they just have a lot of customers in the netherlands so people in the netherlands might know them but internationally you wouldn't Yeah. Um, And I just started uh, initially part time and then I uh, very quickly realized like, hey, this is actually the job I want to do and I don't need my master's degree for it. So I ended up uh, quitting my master's to work full time for them.
0: Wow. So but you you obviously have been working for So like between there and until you got into IOTA, what was happening in between there?
1: Uh, so, yeah, I, I worked at VX company for uh, one and a half years. So that's from uh, the start of 20, no, even the end of 2017 till uh, mid 2019. And that's when I uh, moved to the IOTA foundation. That was because uh, yeah, VX company at the time um, yeah didn't have the capabilities to really scale up their blockchain work. Um, so I just applied to the IOTA foundation instead to uh, further... Uh, yeah, what I wanted to achieve with uh, with blockchain.
0: Mm. And now we're here. Um, like, could you explain a little bit what happened until before you you came into iota and the road through, and now you've you finished your work with iota, like not with iota but within the foundation. Um, what was it that you were doing in the foundation?
1: Yeah. So I I kind of, when I started working actually for VX company, I realized that identity was really the topic in blockchain that I found interesting. Um, the way, like I always encountered when you want to build a business case for on top of blockchain technology, you uh, need to identify the parties you're interacting with. And I kept running into that problem. And the solutions out there through self sovereign identity at the time were just very limited very primitive and i just didn't see it happen where you needed to own a cryptocurrency token in order to uh, build a identity right so i started looking like okay what are the alternatives to building on ethereum and i uh, came across iota i was like felis that would be that would be a, a solution for this right like you no longer need to own a token and you can still create the identity uh, directly. Mm. So uh, yeah, for me, I I kind of started a multi-year plan where um, I wanted to get self-sovereign identity to be used in the real world. And the very first step for that is to have just a self-sovereign identity framework um, that's, yeah, that is very easy to use and easy to adopt because once those things are true, uh, a lot of companies will likely be able to step in and actually join in, in the ecosystem. And in the end, you need to have a network effect for something like this to work. So yeah, step one was really built an amazing self sovereign identity framework. And that's been, uh, yeah, my focus at the uh,
0: IOTA foundation for my time that I, uh, that I was there. So mm. yeah. And, and what made you decide to move on to do your own thing?
1: So the yeah the, the framework was uh, yeah was getting into a really good state. Uh, like honestly, it's it's a brilliant framework. The developers have done a great job. Uh, I'm very happy that I was able to uh, to set up that team and uh, and work with them, and they continue to do a, a really great job, of course. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's in a really great state, and at that point, I wanted to kind of go towards the next phase of uh, uh, of the plan the multi-year plan that I mentioned uh, because a framework is one thing and that is very targeted at developers uh, but I also know that uh, yeah a lot of companies want to use self-sovereign identity technology but they don't they don't want to learn about crypto they don't want to learn about IOTA they don't want to learn about self-sovereign identity they don't want to hire an entire dev team internally to develop a uh, the solution themselves what they would rather do is just gain all of those benefits from self-sovereign identity uh, and just pay someone else for the software in order to do that Mm. so to really get adoption going i realized you need to build products on top of the framework and actually just you know sell that to companies so that they can just benefit from the technology without having to put any of their own developers on the topic so yeah that that's why i uh started in Pierce Technologies. And uh, yeah, that's where we are now.
0: Mm. So, but before we uh, like dive deeper into it, uh, dig- digital identity is a little bit foreign, I think to, to people that isn't too like deep into the, uh, to the technology side of everything. Um, could you just explain a little bit why such a thing is needed? Because like, let's say I am a smooth brain kind of guy. Uh, I have my ID card where I can show to everyone around. I am able to log into my own accounts on my bank. Why would I need like a digital identity as well?
1: Yeah, so uh, that's a very good question. Um, And it is actually a lot of things that we do today are just very annoying things to make sure that we can identify ourselves. Like we, we carry around a wallet with like lots of different cards for different things. Um we online have like a bunch of accounts with all different pass uh, passwords, or you have a manager for that. Um and when you ever want to prove something about yourself online, you just have to kind of type it out, and the other party accepts it as truth, or you have to provide some kind of proof in the form of a copy of your passport and stuff like that. Like all of these things that we're doing is purely because of the fundamental problem that there is no way to really trust any information that is delivered to you in a digital format. So what we try to achieve with digital identity is the ability for uh, people, organizations, and even devices to kind of create their own single identity that they could use for all of these different kinds of use cases, being it like logging into a website, um, yeah, passing a physical gate somewhere because you have a ticket to something, uh, proving who you are or that you have a driver's license. All of these use cases, would just fit in one single account that is about you. And that is also owned by uh, by you. So you own your own data and you own yeah your own identity online.
0: Mm.
1: And that is the, the kind of the privacy aspect of it. And a lot of people care about that. But there's uh, the big second part of it is the verification side of it. So when, when I share my information online uh, in the current form, I share that info, I type it out, and the other side has to somehow verify that or just accept it. But in the form of verifiable credentials with what's we do with uh, digital identity, I'm actually able to prove that the information that I've provided is correct and signed by a trusted third party. So for example, um, my diploma would be signed by my university. Uh, But in order to achieve that, the university has to join this ecosystem. So really, to get things going, you need a network effect where I am able to receive information about myself signed by trusted third parties that join the ecosystem. And then I can share it with other parties that are also part of the ecosystem. So, for example, my bank or my new employer that wants to know where I got my degrees. So, yeah, that's that's the basics of yeah. it, I guess.
0: Yeah, so like it's like a, a scammer's worst nightmare. Then you, you can like kind of uh, you remove the the barrier with that. Like people can easily, like more easily, trust uh, the information they are able to receive and give out um uh, without being like tricked into to give it into something someone that is um like pretending to be someone else right
1: absolutely absolutely yes camera's worst nightmare is a very accurate statement of what we're trying to achieve yeah
0: mm, wonderful um but you also mentioned that like you need the university to come on board right for this to work uh, like you need everyone to come on board for this to work Um. um is there any downsides to, jo- to joining this, or is it only positive uh, sides to it? Uh, yeah,
1: that's um, that's a little bit difficult because, like, from a factional point of view, like, it there's only benefits to the system. It's a very solid system. It's uh, based on state of the art cryptography as well, so there's not a lot of risk, and it's it falls in line with all the legal. Um, uh, developments that we've had especially in Europe over the last years with uh, GDPR and the IDA so yeah there's a lot of benefits through it but of course it's it's a whole new technology that any company that participates uh, needs to adopt and that also means you have to change your processes you have to invest into it uh, even you know hiring in peer technologies and using our software will cost money so It's mostly an investment for these parties to uh, participate into the uh, ecosystem as well. But yeah, my goal is to make that uh, barrier of entry as low
0: as possible. Mm, Wonderful. Um, What's the state of the IOTA identity framework right now?
1: Yeah, so it's actually like uh, really good. Um, I I think the the basics uh, that are really required for uh, adoption are there. you're able to create the identities the verifiable credentials and store them all very securely in in stronghold this is basically the the requirements for such a self-sovereign identity framework but um yeah we we've done it in a completely different way than uh than most other frameworks that that try to achieve the same thing targeting other uh, blockchains or distributed ledger technologies so um to make a little bit of a comparison we follow, uh, the standards, the W3C standards for DID and verifiable credentials. And that's basically a, a data format. And, and um, what we've done is create a framework that upholds that format. So when you want to do something with your identity, like update it or delete it or add something to it, um, it will always follow those rules of the standard. So basically you can't really break the standard. If you compare that to other frameworks, uh, other self-sovereign identity frameworks, they basically just say, all right, just provide us the data, make sure it follows the standard, and then we'll make sure it gets uploaded to the DLT. So, yeah, we're, we're much more protective. And because we've achieved that in the framework, you don't really need to know the standard in great detail. And that, again, helps a lot with the ease of adoption because yeah, when you use the IOTA identity framework, you're kind of protected from mistakes. Um, yeah, and I believe that is that is a really good way of of doing this. So yeah, the framework is in a really good state. Uh, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to make it ready for Stardust. But uh, yeah, as far as I know, uh, the team has been uh, working really hard at that and have a really great solution to to get IOTA identity working with uh, the Stardust update. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm very, very positive about the developments
0: of the framework. Awesome. Um, you also mentioned that this is something that can be used without owning the token, uh, but can it also be used with the token?
1: Yeah, so what I said before was kind of true with Chrysalis. So the current version of IOTA, um, there you don't need to own the IOTA token. With the Stardust update that the team is implementing, you need to make uh, you need to own iota tokens to kind of uh, deposit the tokens in order to pay for the bytes that you're taking in in the network. So how it works is you anchor your identity in the network; it actually becomes part of the whole ledger state. So that means all the nodes have a copy of your identity, but you kind of have to pay something for your place in the network and this is a deposit in iota tokens so the the more bytes you uh yeah you you require the higher the cost you have to uh um yeah to deposit so the, the beauty of a deposit is as well when you're kind of done with your identity you can destroy it and you no longer need bytes so you can take back your I- iota tokens so it still remains feeless in that manner like in the end you get all your tokens back uh, there's a little bit of opportunity cost of course uh, with that but uh yeah this this system is is a very yeah good solution i'm very happy that uh, stardust has uh, been made like this because previously iota identity relied on permanodes. So you needed to run a perma node, uh, the chronicle node in order to make use of IOTA identity. Um, but right now, yeah, any node would be able to use it with stardust. Um, and, uh, yeah, all you need is some IOTA tokens. So yeah, th- right now it will use the IOTA token much more and it's a brilliant solution, uh, in the end, I also hope that we will still have the ability to use it completely tokenless as well. So that you don't need to own IOTA tokens, um, but that will probably result in some kind of temporary identity. So it doesn't last forever, um, and that is the the price you pay for not uh, depositing IOTA tokens. Um, I hope that answers your question.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, like, doesn't that limit the uh, the entry for for adoption though? Because like, there's a bunch of people out there not capable of even logging into facebook like how are they supposed to to buy cryptocurrency and and run another node and like set it all up
1: no absolutely so you you don't need to necessarily run your own nodes but uh, the companies that you're interacting with that utilize iota identity they would need to run their own nodes for sure you can just connect with that but indeed um with this current um yeah, Stardust update, it would require everyone that want to utilize IOTA identity to own some IOTA tokens. And we're probably talking about a couple of MI to just have one identity that you could utilize for everything. Um, but yeah, we'll see what the end number will be. But yeah, absolutely, this is a barrier to entry. And this is why I'm a big fan of also providing a tokenless experience, which is then probably... Uh, for some kind of temporary identity. That way I could log in and, you know, utilize my identities, but maybe after three months I have to manually renew them and republish them to the IOTA network to keep them active. Uh, otherwise, you know, you kind of get the dust of all these old identities. So that's why it's uh, important that, uh, yeah, you, you put some kind of time limit on there. So what I know from the identity team Obviously, I don't represent them anymore, but what I know is that they currently are focusing on the way of um, getting it to work with the tokens. And once that is fully being implemented and achieved, they will start looking again at a second method that allows you to do everything without tokens.
0: Mm. Um, and you also um, mentioned what the, uh, what the company is going to do. Um excuse me if I'm not pronouncing it correctly but I try. Like right. what is Imperius Technologies exactly going to do?
1: Yeah, so as a company we kind of want to build um two components initially, uh two products that we see as uh, as, as key for ourselves to be successful. So the first one is an uh, a self-sovereign identity wallet. Um this is purely a necessity. If, if people want to use identity, you need to have an app in order to manage your identity. Right? Mm. So back in, uh, back in my time at the IOTA foundation, we built the self app with the demos, uh, it's purely a, it's a demonstration SSI wallet. So it was never meant to be more than that. But at this point we are mature enough as a, as an IOTA community and as an IOTA identity framework that we need a production ready SSI wallet. So that's what Imperius Technologies will build as uh, as a first thing. So that will be open source, and that's not necessarily where, where we expect to earn any money. Um, it's just, yeah, completely necessary to have this uh, software out there. Um, and I'm very keen on making sure that it is absolutely secure. Because, yeah, this kind of software, yeah, you can't afford it that there are some kind of uh privacy leaks or hacks within your wallet so Mm -hmm. i want to make sure that it is using all the state of the art uh security models that we've been implementing in iota identity, such as stronghold but also making sure that we uh, don't have any vulnerabilities with the other dependencies or frameworks we might be using so yeah that's that's really my goal to have a production ready and very highly secured app that anyone in the ecosystem would be able to use
0: is that something that would probably take several years to develop? Or is it like, like you would see this next year probably up and running?
1: Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm more on the positive side uh, than the, of what you just said. The, the wallet is, uh, there's a lot of work to be done and it's, um, there's a lot of different components to it. So you can, uh, but I, I believe we can deliver a base wallet relatively quickly because the fundamental components that you need in order to get a wallet working like the most complex part of it is kind of the iota identity framework so since that is already done uh, or at least in a in a really great state uh, it's mostly putting an interface around it uh yeah making sure that you do everything uh, securely and um yeah just yeah a- aiming to have a very good user experience Mm. So, yeah, I don't think it will take that long, Uh, hopefully somewhere um, in the beginning of next year, but it depends a lot on, uh, yeah, I first have to fund my company as a step one. So the longer that takes, obviously the longer it takes before I can really start development of this wallet, but no, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a multi-year project. Cool, cool.
0: Um, Like, why couldn't, since you guys have to develop your own wallet, um, probably a dumb question, but I'm a dumb guy. So uh, why couldn't you just use the Firefly and integrate it into there? Was that just a totally different thing?
1: No, it's actually a very good question. And uh, it's something that I've uh, considered and discussed with the Firefly team a lot as well. Um, But yeah, this is just my personal opinion, but I really want people that join the identity ecosystem to have a wallet which is dedicated to that Mm. so when they log into the wallet they see all right this is for managing my identity and um, if the first thing they see is like hey this is crypto and these are your nfts like i think that will scare away uh, a a big set of people that are not Mm. used to the terminology and the technology that we have so i think yeah the, the wallet should be identity first but it could also have some crypto plugins that you could opt into uh so that it also works like that but yeah it should be identity first
0: yeah yeah i agree on that uh if uh i like a person that never has experienced anything with a crypto wallet uh where to log in just to get his identity uh and then saw like a bunch of tokens he could stake them he could farm them he could do nfts is probably would be just uh, a scary place to be for a a person that isn't familiar with it so that that makes total sense um and then probably on a later stage you're probably able to to do a quick connect to firefly or something like that or you can have a firefly version of it in firefly wallet for those that wants to do both oh absolutely yeah Mm, mm. Well, you also mentioned funding of the project. I did see uh, a twi- tweet from you uh, explaining that people were able to um, to um, to get into the and uh, invest into your your company, which looks like really uh, like a great um, let's start great starting point for people that believes that digital identity is a is the way to go. Um, but why, why don't you, why didn't you do like NFTs and ICOs? I know that you're not a big fan of that, but like, why don't you do it? Yeah, it's
1: it, it would have been a relatively easy way of, of funding the company. And that's mostly because, yeah, you just simply sell, uh, you know, a token or an NFT with the promise that, uh, yeah, if the, the the company is successful and the products that we'll be making is uh, are successful, that they will... That there will be demand for these things, but uh, even though there's there's a lot of projects out there with good intentions, uh, there's still no actual legal binding between the two, right? Like I'm not, uh, I, I have no rights towards the profits of a company when I'm an NFT holder or an I, ICO token holder, hmm. and uh, yeah, I just I, I wanna found a company based on trust because that is in the end what we're going to do with self-sovereign identity. Trust is very important. So I want to make sure that when people invest in my company, that they have all the legal rights towards a return of their investment and that they also have the legal rights to have kind of influence in the company as well, like as a full full uh, shareholder. And the only way to really achieve that is by just selling shares to the company. So yeah, instead of going, uh, in my eyes, a little bit of the easier route, uh, I went with the, the tougher one where we follow the classical, uh, yeah, selling shares to your company model. So mm-hmm. I give a lo- I give up some of my potential return of investment and I give up some of my voting power, but in return, uh, yeah, I give some real promises to the investors and therefore I can build a long-term relationship with them where they hopefully won't exit out uh, within the first few years and instead become loyal parts of the company as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, like we probably know where we need to be uh, when it comes to regulation, everything around the ICO and NFT like space, as you said, at the moment, so that would probably be the safest way just for like, because if there's like a traditional investor that wants to seize the value of this and he sees that the only way for him to get into is through nfts then it probably won't come in right
1: yeah that, that's definitely also an, an aspect of it um but yeah like i I would love to get uh, people in the iota community or in general uh that are interested in self-sovereign identity to be able to invest in the company and the way that i've done it right now does make it a lot harder, right? Like I, I said in the tweet, a minimum investment of, uh, 33,000 euros is not something most people have available to them. And no. honestly, yeah, that's, uh, that that's not great. Right. But yeah, unfortunately it doesn't scale to the point where I could ask people for smaller numbers and that they would be able to get a smaller part of the company, uh, that doesn't scale well. Um, because you have to go through all kind of legal processes with every single investor. Um, Like another option that in the future might be available are security token offerings. So these are actual cryptocurrency tokens that are directly and legally linked to shares in a company. And that way you could actually have like a single share would be a single token. And then you could trade that in a decentralized manner as well. So I've looked into that as well. Um, And it's kind of a new thing that is uh, more up and coming. And it even seems to follow the, yeah, the regulations for even a country like the Netherlands seems to be quite open to such a model as opposed to an ICO. Um, But yeah, it would probably require half a year of legal work and fees in order to set up a legally backed and approved STO. And yeah, I just I just don't have the time nor money nor will to go through that right now but it's something we would definitely consider for a second round in the future if we would ever uh, need to raise more money uh, and we sell more shares i would love to offer that in a way that anyone in the iota community can take part
0: mm, yeah that would be great that would be great to be, to be able to take part of it even if you don't have thirty three thousand euros laying around yeah, uh, yeah. um also like how many guys are you in the company, or is it just you at the moment?
1: Um, so, I'm the only one that is full time working uh, for Empires Technologies. Um, but I have two co founders that are basically currently supporting, uh, they're working from their current job still. Um, but one of them will, will join immediately as soon as we are funded. And the last one will join as soon as the product is in a decent shape because he's mostly focused on um yeah business development and i don't want to sell pure hot air so we'll mm. we'll start doing more this business development once we have uh, both of our products going awesome
0: um so to the more uh speculative uh area where do you expect to see adoption of digital identity like where would you imagine would be the first place that would we see signs of it
1: Ooh, the first place is is very difficult um that's actually one thing that i that i put in a lot of effort into uh my my pitch deck is to showcase that basically every industry that you could think of could benefit from self-sovereign identity it's like being able to share data in a trustworthy way just impacts so many different industries in so many different ways and the first one that Will will go for it. Yeah, I honestly, I have no idea either. So uh, for example, the approach that I've taken with with Impairs is to uh, kind of explore different industries in a very casual way. Um, And then once we figure out, hey, this is an industry where we have a lot of connections, where there's a lot of demand for it, and where we see uh, many different project opportunities coming along and hopefully future customers, then we will start to focus on that because as a, as a young company, you don't have infinite resources. So you need to focus on one or two industries. Um, so yeah, once we know that we will focus on one or two that we see as a uh, very um, yeah, likely candidates to see the first mass adoption, um, bring to self-sovereign identity, but yeah, what that would be is very difficult to judge. Um, we, to give a little bit more of a clearer answer because you probably want to, to hear that as well. Mm. Um, yeah, our eyes are currently set on the educational sector uh, for diplomas and way you um, yeah, uh, onboard yourself into new schools or universities. Um, the financial sector as well, we see a lot of opportunities in that with uh, know your customer, anti-money laundering regulations, like banks and insurance companies generally want a lot of data from their customers to reduce risk. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities there. And um, another example would be the e-commerce. Being able to prove where you live, um, uh, log into uh, any website very easily, um, and yeah, just share your shipping address uh, can very quickly make uh, shopping online easier and more secure as well. So those are three industries for example we are definitely keeping an eye on but there are plenty more.
0: Mm. And is there is it like a different space in in the like different industry that you find easier like more uh they, they are more acceptable to to listen into what what it is or
1: Um yeah I think definitely the financial industry is really open to this because it really solves massive problems for them like literally um millions of euros go into customer data validation for many many banks and insurances like we're talking not single millions but like uh triple digit millions uh for for most companies right so what we're trying to solve here is such an expensive problem for them that they're really interested in it um but it's also a very tough challenge because when we start talking about things like know your customer a lot of legal questions start to arise as well like okay um, can a bank actually accept proof of who you are without validating that information themselves like is that legally even possible mm. so um yeah those questions still need to be answered uh before we can really dive into that so honestly i wouldn't expect to see that as the first major use case but it's definitely one that has the most interest and most potential
0: in general yeah. well, like is this like did, to get a digital identity uh adopted do you think it's need- needing a real push or do you think that the the industry wants it uh enough that it's gonna like come by its own
1: oh that's that's a very tough question um yeah. i want to say that it comes by its own but yeah self-sovereign identity as a concept is now already uh what is it seven eight years old so if it would come by its own like why hasn't it already right yeah. uh i i personally believe it's because due to this whole barrier of adoption that i'm trying to uh, make lower and lower and easier for companies to adopt it uh, but yeah in the end a push might be required um, luckily i believe that push is coming because uh, you can see that the european union is uh, yeah, developing more rules and regulations that are actually very friendly towards self-sovereign identity so GDPR was a first step. So for those who are not familiar with that, it's the the data, the general data, oh man, GDPR, data, general data protection regulation. There you go. <laughs> so basically what it means is that, uh, yeah, companies uh, only need to store your data for as long as they really need it. They can't store it for longer than that. And the data needs to be located within the European Union as well for European citizens. And what it creates is an environment where companies feel, they feel like it's risky to store data about people. So what they want is for people to bring data to them, which is what self-sovereign identity does. So that's one single regulation has directly created more demand for self-sovereign identity. And we can see that now coming again with the EIDAS regulation, which is not an abbreviation that I'm gonna try and spell out now. But uh, basically that regulation uh, tries to create one European digital identity. And their latest form EIDAS 2.0 is actually very friendly towards decentralized identities or self-sovereign identities. So when the European Union starts to be uh, very positive towards this technology, that also means that Companies that want to work ahead, they need to start thinking about this and start considering adopting it before the regulation are in place to make sure that they remain competitive and on time. Mm. So yeah, this push is actively happening, and you can really see the difference between now and one year ago with how open so many different industries are to this technology nowadays.
0: Yeah, didn't you guys make something to, to lay forward for the EBSI group as well?
1: Uh, for EBSI, identity uh, was not the biggest part of it. So the, the current EBSI network, the kind of yeah classical 1.0 network, uh, was really focused on identity. Uh, and now when they're doing the pre-commercial procurement, they are just mostly focused on how do we scale the technology. So that's something obviously IOTA is really good at. Um, but they kind of have the feeling that they already understand identity, uh, much of it as well. So mm-hmm. yes, there are some components in it, like there's the, the product passport, um, and stuff like that. So identity is still part of, of EBSI. But in the end, it's not the biggest component of it uh, right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, what's your opinion uh, about Tangled Labs and what they guys are doing with, with like, they have Tixit and Individi, Crapply, and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're absolutely great guys and I'm very happy that they they started this this work and getting uh yeah, SSI products in in, uh, in the real world, right uh, It's very great to, to see them built on the the framework And yeah, in the end what we need to do as an iota community is also to really build a self-sovereign identity ecosystem. And in order to do that, you need many different companies to, work on this technology and collaborate with each other to make sure that we are interoperable with each other. So yeah, I'm very happy that Tango Labs already uh, started with this. Uh, similarly, you have uh, Filoncore, of course, working on it, mostly on the Identity for Things side. Uh, so yeah, I I see a healthy ecosystem developing, and I'm very happy to become part of that.
0: Mm. And now, have you also seen like an increase in digital identity? Yeah. Um building now that with all the new updates coming?
1: Uh, Yeah, we've seen, like, during my time building the framework, I've seen a continuous increase of, um, yeah, people utilizing the framework uh getting interested into it um and yeah you can just simply also look at the the downloads on uh on npm or uh, now also on cargo to really see how many developers are using it and it's a nice steady climb so it's great to see that but yeah if you compare it to a lot of different uh, frameworks out there we're still very unknown outside of the iota uh, bubble um that's a little bit of a shame i hope we can uh Get out of that uh, relatively soon because honestly, the IOTA identity framework is just really amazing and really easy to use, and I hope that the rest of the SSI ecosystem will uh, will give it a give it a try as well soon. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 slowly increasing, but I hope that uh, that too gets a nice push.
0: Yeah, and and I haven't like looked around too much around that topic, but. Is there any other crypto that is focusing on digital identity on the scale that IOTA does it?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We were initially quite far behind as opposed to some ecosystems. Uh, For example, Ethereum um, have their own ecosystem. They have their ERC standard. They have several companies building, uh, yeah, all kinds of products on top of the technology already. Uh, So yeah, definitely that's happening. But there are even full dedicated blockchains uh, that purely focus on identity. So when we talk about uh, token transactions uh, or um, yeah, just uh, cryptocurrency token transactions, uh, they just only care about identity anchoring into their distributed ledger technology. So a big example of that is uh, Sovereign. And, uh, yeah, they've been uh, in the market for many years, even before we uh, started with IOTA Identity. But I really think we are catching up, and especially on a technology level with IOTA Identity, I think we're basically there. Uh, and now we yeah need to grow the ecosystem to start uh, uh, matching that as well.
0: Mm, yeah. Um, one of the use cases, if I'm going to call it that, uh, for uh, self-sovereign identity that I I think would be one of the later uh, which is passports right because passport is like a big big thing I uh, used worldwide and I don't see that is something happening overnight um, how did you expect passports to work on SSI
1: yeah so passports are basically the dream right like having that on SSI with make lives easier for people, but also as an ecosystem, if you have verifiable credentials of people with their passports, like the whole KYC use cases and all of those become unlocked much easier. So yeah, it's, it's the dream and I, I hope we can work towards that. Uh, so naturally, such a process would take many years because yeah. this needs to come directly from government adoption. There's just no other way. Um, and yeah, that generally speaking takes many, many years. So within Europe, we see that happening with the AI, those regulations I mentioned before, they, those are basically working towards, uh, digital passports like that. Um, but yeah, even then it's, uh, it's a step-by-step basis. The thing that will take many, many years because that's, that's the speed that governments work at with these new technologies. So, um, yeah. It, it, it will it will take a lot, a lot of time still yeah
0: yeah, I can imagine. Um, but what something that's probably a little bit closer uh, is like our daily life uh, identity. Um, like how will like SSI work in our daily lives? I can imagine like you can probably log into Facebook, you can log into Instagram, you can log into like Netflix and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I, I think you you nailed it there. like the first thing that I see ourselves using SSI, in our daily lives is indeed logging in. Um, so yeah, right now we used to have this, this very ugly system, right, where you have to have a password for every single website that you log into and a different username and you need to sign mm-hmm. up and all of that. Um, and then luckily it became easier with kind of the login with Google uh, process. But yeah, I'm very happy to uh, to hear now that the IOTA Foundation is working with uh, Walt ID on this topic. Uh, and the design from Walt ID in order to make login with IOTA happen is is absolutely brilliant. I'm very happy with how they designed that because it actually utilizes the, the kind of legacy system, the login with Google protocol, um, and then connects that up with SSI. So it is it starts with a centralized component, but you as a person are in control of your own data. And that's... Uh, a very nice middle ground that means that websites can adopt this literally with five minutes of work because all they have to do is instead of saying hey log in with google they just say all right i want to log in with iota they add like a couple of lines of code and suddenly it works because it's the exact same protocol wow uh, it that is the kind of middle middle ground There's also a completely decentralized version of that that Walt ID is also developing. And that does require like custom integration from these websites. And then there's absolutely like you as a person are directly communicating with the website with no in-betweens to prove who you are. And that is really the future of login. Um, That will take a little bit more time to adopt in the industry. But yeah, having that system um, I can see that being a real reason why people want to have an SSI wallet on their computer and on their uh, mobile phones as well. to um, so just, yeah, log in and not being worried that a Google, a Facebook or whoever is listening into all of your logins and know exactly where you're browsing and what you're doing. Uh, but instead, yeah, your privacy remains your privacy. Uh, so hopefully that will... Um, that will be the first adaptive use case that we can see in our daily lives. And we can build a lot of amazing applications from just that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have, I've been having a little bit off the grid like the last couple of weeks, but I did see room posting something about the Walt ID. So I haven't really gotten time to, to dive into what all that is here, But it sounds really promising though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, like it. So I put out a request for proposals back when I still worked at the foundation for a login with IOTA. Uh, so basically what that means is that the, uh, as the IOTA foundation, we wanted a solution for logging in with IOTA using the standards that are out there. But yeah, we just didn't have the knowledge about the login systems internally in order to provide a very uh, yeah, amazing system. So that's when you can put out a request for proposals. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of awesome responses. Uh, from several companies uh, outside our ecosystem, but also inside our ecosystem. And in the end, uh, yeah, we were blown away with the design from Walt ID. So um, that's in the end what the IOTA Foundation has chosen to work with them. And basically, they are now funded in order to uh, yeah deliver that piece of technology. Awesome.
0: Um, so, so you mentioned that the next stage is to build the wallet, right? Um, what's the plan after that, like? What comes next
1: yeah so the the wallet is indeed the the enabler um uh, but the most to me the most important piece of software that uh, i want to build and that is also the most important for impairs technologies is a, a software as a service platform so what that means is that i kind of envision a dashboard for companies that want to join their uh, join the iota identity ecosystem and in that dashboard, they very quickly can set up uh, everything they need around self-sovereign identity. So they need to set up a corporate identity, right? Like any company that joins in needs to create their own identity. Uh, but they also need to connect with IOTA nodes. So do you wanna connect with an existing node? Do you wanna pay Imper's to run a node for you? Or uh, do you wanna run your own node? All of that you can do through that same dashboard and then there are many other different uh, difficult topics that you need to tackle as a company uh, that can also be done all in that same dashboard so just to give an example um, when companies receive data from their customers that will be formatted right like if you ask for a driver's license that means that there are certain data fields in there but the question is what data fields do you expect are in a driver's license And how do you make sure that that those match with the same view of how a driver's license looks like maybe in a neighboring country or just at a different company? So we provide the software for that, that you can quickly uh, just list out like, hey, this is the data that I expect. And I just wanna follow the standard from other companies that are utilizing the same software. So yeah, we make that very difficult problem, very easy with a very good interface. And what that product will also contain is a uh, basically a piece of software that allows companies to speak identity. At least that's the way I always uh, say it works. It basically means that there will be an endpoint for these companies um, where the SSI wallet can talk to. So any company that has that endpoint, that means that anyone with an SSI wallet can send information to that. So they can identify each other so I can prove I am yellow and I would like to log in to my bank. All right. So the bank has that, uh, that, that is using Impair's technology software. So they can receive that request and then the bank can prove to me. All right. Uh, indeed I am this bank, uh, in order for you to get services from ourselves, we need the following data from you. Can you send that over? then I can just click yes in my SSI wallet and all the data that they need can be sent over and, or I could of course reject as well. But yeah, what this is, is basically a data pipeline that needs to be set up between the company and their customers. And we provide that just out of the box with the SSI wallet on the user side and our software as a service platform on the the company's side. And being able to set that up with the click of a button in your uh, dashboard will hopefully be a game changer that brings a lot of
0: companies to the,
1: uh, ecosystem. Hmm.
0: It's wonderful. But like, if I want, if I wanted to go like dive a little bit deeper or for anyone that that is listening to this right now wants to get a little bit more information about what Imperius Imperius technology is doing, uh, is there anywhere they can go?
1: Uh, Yeah, so right now we're in the really early stages of the company. So uh, we don't have a social media account yet or a website, but uh, they are on their way. So I just recommend to just follow me on Twitter, which is at Yella FM. And otherwise, if people are really interested in the company and they might be interested in uh, investing in it, indeed the minimum of 33,000, which I know is a very hard barrier, But if you are interested, you can always uh, send me an email at yellow.millanar.impears.com. And I'm very happy to then set up a call with people to really dive into the business details of what the company exactly will be doing. And uh, yeah, discuss the details of how an investment might look like. Uh, But that's for the really dedicated people. And other than that, it would be waiting for
0: impairs.com to go go live. Did you have an ETA on the, the website?
1: Uh, I've outsourced it uh, so yeah uh, it's done when it's done by them um, but yeah I've uh, we are actively working on it
0: yeah wonderful um, so uh, and, and anyway Yele is also very active on uh, the IOTA discord if you want to talk to him there um, and also go remember to go follow him on uh, on Twitter mm, so I've reached the end of my question list is there anything you would like to add before we to we end in the day
1: uh, not much. I guess the only thing that I would like to do is give a shout out to the uh, identity team. Uh, I, uh, I unfortunately am no longer working with them because I left the Iota Foundation, but really they're the the silent people in the background that have been coding for uh, yeah, for many, uh, yeah, for many months, uh, more than a year now as a team. And they've been delivering an amazing framework and it does not get the attention that it deserves just yet. Hopefully, I will uh, I will be able to change that. But yeah, massive shout out to them. Uh, they've been doing a great job, and uh, hopefully, that your community can also show them some love uh, in the identity uh, channel on Discord sometime.
0: Mm. Completely agree with you, mate. Um, so everyone, thank you for for listening, and uh, let's see where we're heading next. Get behind, get left behind, yes.